Repay to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and to God what belongs to God. Jesus' words seem simple, offering clear implications for the present. On one hand, we have our public political duties to Caesar, to the state, like paying taxes. On the other hand, we have our private religious duties to God, like worship. If we manage to keep these two spheres separate, practicing our religion in private and our politics in public, then our loyalties won't come into conflict with one another. Caesar and God, sacred and secular, state and church will stand in a delicate balance. Now, whenever Jesus' words seem simple, there's a good chance that we've misunderstood them. Often his simplicity is intended as a challenge. He's inviting us to stop and examine ourselves. When we do, we may discover that, like the Pharisees in today's Gospel, we bring with us hidden assumptions. Whether we intend them to do so or not, these assumptions become a kind of trap for him to get him to say something that confirms our prejudices. So what were the hidden assumptions that the Pharisees brought to their encounter with Jesus? In order to uncover them, we must briefly review the origins of the Pharisaic movement. The Pharisees first appear on the scene in the period of the Maccabean Revolt. If you've read 1st and 2nd Maccabees from the Bible, uh, you know this history, lasted approximately from 166 to 159 BC, and there arose around this time a group of Jews who were zealous for the Torah, for the law of God, who opposed accommodation to the intrusion of Hellenistic ways, Greek ways, into Judaism. Some of these Jews later became known as Pharisees, that is, those who are set apart. That's what the term means. The Maccabeans were ultimately victorious over their oppressors and established a new independent Jewish monarchy that lasted for many decades. Fast forward to the time of Jesus and his contemporaries. By this time, the Jewish monarchy had come under the sway of the Roman Empire, new oppressors, and King Herod the Great was a loyal client of Rome. For several decades, he managed to keep the various groups who were opposed to Rome, including the Pharisees, at bay. But after his death in 4 BC, conflicts began to escalate. In AD 6, Rome sent one of his sons, who was governing at that time, into exile and imposed direct rule on Judea and Jerusalem. And as a part of this, they conducted a census. In his Gospel, St. Luke presents this census as the backdrop to Jesus' birth. So this is the census that is the origin of the tax in today's Gospel. Now at this time, a man named Judas the Galilean led a revolt against Rome, against this census tax, and it was quickly crushed by Rome. 
So when the Pharisees go off and plot against Jesus at the beginning of today's gospel, they have this history in the back of their minds. So what assumption do they bring with them then to their encounter with Jesus? They believe that if Jews submit to the census and the tax, it means that the land and the people belong to Caesar and to pagan gods, not to the God of Israel. Paying the census tax, on this view, is tantamount to idolatry. So they lay a trap for Jesus. They are trying to force him either to say, no, the census tax is not lawful, and in that case he becomes a dangerous revolutionary in the eyes of Rome, along the lines of Judas the Galilean several decades prior. Or they force him into saying, yes, it is lawful, and then he alienates the disciples, uh, his disciples, and others who are sympathetic to him, who are also sympathetic to the revolutionary cause against Rome. One of them, one of Jesus' disciples, was named Simon the Zealot. This is a revolutionary nickname. And all of them were hoping that Jesus would openly reveal himself to be a political messiah in opposition to Rome. Lord, they said after the resurrection, Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel, as the Maccabees did? But this attempt to entrap Jesus, as do all attempts to entrap him, lead them into a trap themselves. And this trap is the trap of hypocrisy. They themselves possess coins that are minted in the image and, uh, and, and, and that have the, the inscription of the very Caesar whom they claim it is idolatry to submit to. From a strict Jewish point of view, even possessing this coin is a kind of blasphemy. So those are the assumptions that the Pharisees bring to their encounter with Jesus. And the trap that they attempt to set entraps them. What assumptions do we bring to our encounter with Jesus today? I would suggest that one assumption our culture shares, and therefore that can't help but influence us, is what I mentioned at the outset of this homily, that religion is private. God then becomes kind of private in this understanding, and our God's claims upon us and the duties that we owe to God also become a kind of private preference. It's worth reading in this election season the Catechism of the Catholic Church, the section under uh, the Fourth Commandment that talks about our civil duties. And among these are, of course, voting, uh, paying taxes, um, perhaps military service, also criticizing injustice uh, in the name of the common good. Praying is a civic duty. We are bound to pray for those in authority over us uh, and to remember all of those, regardless of party affiliation uh, or, or political conviction, in our regular prayers. I found it telling, as I read through this myself, 
that the Catechism does not quote this story in order to justify the state's right to impose taxes. This story and Jesus' words, repay to Caesar uh, and repay to God what is owed to God, actually are uh, a justification for those times when civil disobedience might be justified. So, in other words, those times when our duties to God might take precedence over our duties to the state. And what our assumptions end up doing is, is not entrapping God, because God can't be entrapped, but they set a limit our own faith and our own hope. One of the tasks of the monastic life is to cultivate this awareness of God's presence in all things, in all people, in all circumstances. Absolutely everything we do or say, we do or say in his presence, whether it's in private or in public. That's what it means to pay back to God what belongs to God. There should be nothing in the end that we do not pay back to him, even our very selves. Even what belongs to Caesar belongs to God, because it came from God. It was given to him for the sake of the common good of all. So let us recall the words of St. Paul as we seek to heed our Lord's words in today's Gospel. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship.